Come on, let's give Jesus some praise this morning, church. Why don't you lift your hands? God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that it's not by our might, it's not by our strength, but it's by the power of your name, the power of the cross. We give you all honour and glory today. And all of God's people said, come on, high five three people as you sit down. Thanks, team. Half of you have left already. That's all right. Good job. I'm going to make Alex work on the camera today. Whee! Stop it. Oh, nice. How are you all doing this morning? Yep. Zoe, ready for... Jaden, you're the man. Well, hey, who saw our awesome car park team as they drove in this morning waving? Hey, aren't they legends? Make sure you give them a big wave when you come in. And I don't know if you've got a bit of spare change. Just whoo, there you go, kids. Have some uh, frozen coke after church. Amen. Well, I want to just say a quick hello to my beautiful wife and my eldest daughter who are at home. Maya is sick. She's got um, something, I don't know what it's called, but it's uh, not very good. So love you guys. Wish you were here. Um, and obviously our guys at Neil and everyone else online watching, we love you. But we're going to get into the Word. Is that all right? We ready for the Word? Come prepared. Got your Bibles? Get your Bibles out. I don't see any Bibles. Where's the Bibles, people? Come. There's some Bibles. Praise God. If you've got a hard copy Bible, go you. I don't. I have an iPad. But you can turn with me to the book of Ephesians um, this morning. And um, we're going to read a verse out of the book of Ephesians, and then we're just going to get into a bit of, bit of I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, church. God does, though, so that's all right. Uh, Ephesians 5, 18. Everyone say Ephesians. It's on the screen, but read it along um, with me. It's 5, 18 says, Do not get drunk with wine, for this is debauchery. That's a word you don't hear very often, debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. My sermon title this morning, as you can see down in the corner, is The Art of Living a Spirit-Filled Life. The Art of Living a Spirit-Filled Life. Jesus, I pray right now, God that it would not be my words, but it would be your words, that we would have open hearts, open minds, open spirit to what you want to say today, and that your words would cut through, Lord, like a two-edged sword into people's hearts, minds, spirits, and souls today. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. 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 Have you ever been on a sailboat? Yeah, a few people. Have you? Now, I don't mean like one of those fancy boats with the engine and the stuff and all that fancy stuff. I mean like pirate ship vibe. Have you ever been on like a sailboat? You know, I did some research about sailboats this week. Um, and this is a bit of history lesson before we get into the word, so take notes. The first evidence of a sailboat appeared in Kuwait, yep, Western Asia, about 5,500 B.C., So they're old. They are very old. Um, Advances in sail technology made in the Middle Ages made it possible for people to go to places that were otherwise unable to get to. Um, Sailing has been an Olympic sport since 1896. Isn't that crazy? Like, what's this got to do with Jesus? Just wait. I always bring it back. And lastly, a sailing craft... 
has a, sail, a sailing boat's ability sorry, to move forward is derived from the power of the wind. Let me say it again. The, the, the sailboat's ability to move forward is derived from the power of the wind. I don't know if you can see where I'm going, but we were singing about wind this morning. And in the same way that a sailboat is pushed forward by the power of the wind, in the same way we as Christians, as people living on this rock called earth, are empowered to move forward by the power of the wind of God. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk with wine, for this is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. You know, in the original language, it would have read something a bit more like, Be being kept continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's, a continu- it's not just one, it's a continual, just be being filled. Continuously be being filled. And I believe that there's two aspects to being filled with the Spirit that I want to touch on this morning. The first is a momentary experience of being filled, empowered, overwhelmed by the power and presence of the Spirit of God, just like in Acts chapter 2. We are a Pentecostal church, as Pastor Andrew preached about last week. And that basically means that we believe that Acts 2 is for today. It's not something that happened yesterday that's dead and gone and that times. No, Acts chapter 2 is still for us today. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, the fire of God, the wind of the Spirit of God is for us today. And if you believe it, say amen. And second... The second aspect of being filled with the Spirit is a constant way of life where we are continuously filled with the Spirit. It's not just an event. It's not just a moment where where that's a part of it, but that's not where it stops and ends. There's a continual, as it said, being, being, be being continuously filled with the Spirit of God. And a helpful way to picture this is rather than picturing it as a cup of water being filled, see it as the sails of a sailboat being filled with wind, taking it forward into all it God has for us. The filling has a purpose to take, the filling of the sails has a purpose to take the ship forward, right? To where it's meant to go. And just like a sailboat needs the wind to fill its sails to move it forward, we too need the wind of the Spirit to fill us so that we can move forward into the things of God. Without the wind of God, there can be no movement. Without the wind of God, there can be no power. Without the wind of God, there can be no effectiveness, no fulfillment, no advancement into the things of God. A sailboat is designed to have wind in its sails. Just like we are designed to live a life filled with the Spirit of God every day. I've got a quote here from a pastor over in America. A pastor, John, you chuck it up. Where is it? Come on now. Jesus. Come on up. Pastor John MacArthur says, A Spirit-filled life 
is a life surrendered to the sanctifying ministry of the Holy Spirit. If you want to know, what does it mean to be Spirit-filled? Right there. To be daily surrendering ourselves to the sanctifying ministry of the Holy Spirit. Allowing the Spirit of God to transform us from the inside out to become more like Jesus. So how do we live a Spirit-filled life? How do we do it? Well, in order to answer that question, I first want to define what a Spirit-filled life isn't. Before we talk about what it is and how to have, let's clarify what it isn't, right? So number one, a Spirit-filled life isn't a life of sinless perfection. It's not. A, a Spirit-filled life is not a life of sinless perfection. 1 John 1.8 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. It says elsewhere in the Bible that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. None of us get out of this for free. Well, thanks to Jesus we do, but without him. Thanks to Jesus the price has been paid, amen, as we talked about. The Easter story, we're no longer slaves to sin. Rather than being filled with sin and death, we're now filled with life and forgiveness. Thanks to His work on the cross. Number two, a spirit-filled life is not a life of never facing temptation. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. We live in a fallen world. We live with with temptation as a part of this world and our life. Even Jesus wasn't immune to temptation. Of course, he never succumbed to the temptation, but it was there in his face. We have to look at temptation as an opportunity to align our flesh with the Spirit of God. Every day, look at the things that come up, the things that come our way, as an opportunity Say, all right, God, this is, this is the moment of be being continuously filled. You don't have to be in a church building to be being filled with the Spirit of God. As much as we joke about it and say it, the keyboards don't have to be playing for the Holy Spirit to move, all right? I mean, I don't know, but no, seriously, they don't, right? But every day, every opportunity that comes our way, is an opportunity for us to align our lives with the Spirit of God, with the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in our life. That's what it means to live a Spirit-filled life. And number three, a Spirit-filled life is not a life of no further growth. It's not a right, you, have, you haven't arrived at the final destination just because you've been Spirit-filled. So I've received the Holy Spirit, I've received the gift of tongues, now I'm sweet, I can just sit in church and hang out and just get the warm fuzzies every Sunday, sit up the front. That's not, 
As Pastor Andrew said last week, I think it was, he said, the anointing, we have the anointing not just so we can sit on our blessed assurance, but we have the anointing for an assignment that he's called us to work out in our community, in our family, in our school, in our workplace, wherever he's got us positioned. So yeah, a spirit-filled life is not a life of no further growth. 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, but both now and to the day of eternity. Ephesians 4.15 says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow in every way into Him who is the head into Christ. At no point do we arrive at a place where we stop growing, where we've, we've figured it all out. I understand all the biblical truths. My doctrine and theology is perfect. They don't, I can, like, it doesn't happen. Not on this earth anyway. Not in this life. Unless you're Jesus. But let me tell you right now, you're not. We need to be learners of new things, intentional about our personal growth, open to correction and constructive criticism, be willing to be challenged and encouraged in different areas of your life. Who have you gone to lately and said to them face to face, hey, if you see me doing things that I shouldn't do, call me out on it. Now be wise in who you say that to, obviously. (laughs) Someone who's got wisdom and maybe he's a bit older, but Young guys, like this is, this is, if I can encourage you, get, get, a, get around some of these grey crowned, amazing people of God. No, that's a compliment. That's in the Bible, isn't it? The crown of grey something? I don't know. Um, we're in deep water right now. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, <laughs> it's like 20 people just stand up and walk out. <sighs> The Holy Spirit, living a spirit-filled life, the Holy Spirit is not our personal maid, right? The Holy Spirit is not a maid that we can just go around living our life, making a mess of things and doing whatever we want and just expecting that the Spirit of God will just come along and sweep everything up for us. That's not... The Spirit of God is not your personal maid. The Holy Spirit is the transforming power of the living God. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. He's the Lord which basically means as we look to God and become obsessed with who He is, we are transformed more and more into His image. I want to be, I want to be more like Jesus every day, seeing an internal transformation that leads to an external activation, right? The things that go on inside the Holy Spirit does, they're not just for us, they're for us to go and put into practice every day. Now, there are some people who would say and believe that being filled with the Spirit is not an experience, right? 
Um, it's not a moment of euphoria or overwhelming emotion that that doesn't happen, right? And I can see how some people would lean on that line of thought. But um, that they, that they believe that it's simply to continue in growing in our internal understanding of Christ through the Word of God, right? Which, don't get me wrong, I do not, I do not disagree with that part of living a spirit-filled life, but continually growing in the inter, of the internal understanding of Christ through the all-inspired canon of Scripture, right? But... I also believe with all my heart that our God is a God that wants to be experienced. He is a God that wants to dwell in our presence, that He wants to invade our lives and, and overwhelm us with, with joy and peace and mercy and that it passes all understanding. He's not a God that's far off somewhere. He is the living God. We see it too many times in Scripture to deny it. Time after time, and we talked about it earlier, but Acts chapter 2 is the obvious example. And then we're going to read it. Acts chapter 2 verse 1 to 4 says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Come on. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting church, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Man. Spirit of God. Let's read that last part one more time. They were filled, they were all filled with the Spirit of God, with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. Now I admit, I admit, for the new believer or the non-Christian or someone that's never been in a Pentecostal environment speaking in tongues, it's a little weird. We can't really deny that. It's a little strange. But I feel like some people make it stranger than it needs to be. <laughs> I'm just saying, all right, there is some bad examples of what it means to be a Pentecostal Christian out there. But there's bad examples of everything out there. You can't just throw away the whole Pentecostal movement just because there's a few weirdos out there. Otherwise, you'd throw out the entire... I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to go there. I was going to say we'd throw out the Australian government, but we're not getting political today. We're not getting political, okay? Calm down. But we're not called to be normal or natural. We're called to be supernatural in the name of Jesus. And I want to honour Pastor Andrew last week as he facilitated the anointing service in such a way that just had, it was just such a, um, like, there was, it was the best anointing service that I'd ever been in in my entire life in the way that it was facilitated, the way that it was just, there was just wisdom around the way it was done and the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit that was in the room. So come on, let's give our hands together for our amazing senior pastor. Come on. 
And I really felt during the week, this week, you know, because last week we had, we opened up the altar and there was people that received the gift of tongues and there was release and it was amazing, it was powerful. But I really felt, and it's not because it was, it's not because it wasn't done right or any of that. I told you what I just said, it was done so well. But I really felt an impression of the Spirit um, to talk about tongues a little bit and unpack it a little bit because it is something that's a bit strange for people that haven't grown up in I don't know most of us have probably grown up in Pentecostal circles but I want to clarify some things I just feel to talk about so the gift of tongues is a powerful and important aspect of a believer's life and a key element of living a spirit-filled life right does it if you if you don't have the gift of tongues does that mean you're not saved absolutely not right it is not a salvation work of the spirit is um and let me show you, I need to calm down a little bit, let me show you what I believe is our Pentecostal theology, right, around the gift of tongues. And if I get it wrong, Pastor Andrew can clear it up next week, right? (laughs) As I said, no one's got perfect doctrine, no one's got perfect theology, all right? I quoted John MacArthur earlier. I love his teaching. Don't agree with everything he says. I've quoted Joel Osteen before. Love his teaching. Don't agree with everything he says. We've got to be mature enough to chew the meat and spit the bones. Come on, church. Hallelujah. All right, number one. Some people say that the gift of tongues was only for the disciples and the early church and that it's not in activation anymore, right? Now, I believe that speaking in tongues is for every believer today. We see this in Acts 10, 44, verse 46, where it says, While Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter, were amazed because the gifts of the Holy Spirit were poured out out even on the Gentiles, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and exalting God. So here we see Gentiles, non-Jews, not disciples, not apostles, not receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, receiving the gift of speaking in tongues, receiving Jesus, receiving the Spirit of God. Also, some people say that the correct biblical understanding of speaking in tongues is that it was only used by the early church to share the gospel to the people in their native area and native languages that otherwise wouldn't have been able to hear the gospel. So another earthly language they were speaking, not, not like an angelic Holy Spirit language that you'd hear today in this church. Um. Now, 1 Corinthians 14, 2 says, For one who speaks in tongues speaks not to man, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. That's what speaking in tongues is for us as believers. It's not another earthly language. It's not something that we understand unless God wants to give the interpretation, which he can do whenever he wants. But it's not us speaking another earthly language. It's, as it says in 1 Corinthians 14 too, it is uttering mysteries of the Spirit. And lastly, and this is one of the reasons that I 
believe with all my heart that, that speaking in tongues is a powerful and important aspect of a believer's life and a key element of living a spirit-filled life is found in, again, 1 Corinthians 14, 3 to 4, where it says, The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement and consolidation. Consola, sorry, yeah. Um, but the one who speaks in unknown tongues edifies themselves. I don't know about you, but I need to edify myself sometimes because I don't have it all together. I don't have it. I, I need the power that's associated with speaking in that angelic language, the mysteries of the Spirit, to build up my expectation, to build up my belief on what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Come on, church. To build up others, we prophesy. To build up ourselves, we speak in tongues, an angelic language. And if you've never received the gift of speaking in tongues, then we're, we want to pray for you again today for that release. But I want to ask the band to come up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this thing up um, this morning. Um, you know, living a spirit-filled life, it's not either or. It's not just growing in our understanding of Christ through the Scriptures and unpacking the rich, dense truths of the all-inspired canon of Scripture. And it's not just an experience of His tangible presence. It's both. It's not either or. We as humans, as people, have a great ability of making things either or. We have a great ability to divide to disunify, to draw lines in the sand, to say it's either this or this. But I feel like our God is a God of not either or, but both and. It's both. It's both. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching one another, in all wisdom, teaching one another in all wisdom through the word of Christ. This is what the word of Christ says. His word, his presence. It's the spirit of God. It's living a life, spirit-filled. Letting the winds of the spirit fill our sails to push us along into all he's got for us, for your children, for your family. And there was, I'm going to wrap up with this last little thought. I hope I get it right. But with sailboats, again, talking about sailboats, Going along the ocean with the wind in our sails can, can take you to places that otherwise would be very hard to get to or even impossible to get to. And I believe it's the same 
with the Spirit of God. As He fills us every day, we are empowered by the wind of the Spirit in our lives to get to places, to do things, to be things that otherwise would be impossible without the Spirit of God. Come on, why don't you stand this morning, church? Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're in this place today. Just thank you, Jesus. Now, I want to pray for two groups of people before we close today. You know, maybe you've never experienced a relationship with Jesus and the Spirit of God, and this is all new to you. I'd love to pray for you. But maybe you have, maybe you've been in church, but maybe you've never experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the release of the gift of tongues. I want to I want to pray for you as well this morning. But first, we never want to miss an opportunity for people to come into relationship with Jesus. So why don't we all just close our eyes, focus in. We just do this to limit distractions. Don't worry about the person next to you person in front of you but right now in this place John 3.16 says for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life so this morning if you've never received Jesus if you've never believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth saying alright Jesus The more I do by myself, the worse things seem to get. I'm putting it in your hands. I'm putting my life in your hands today. If that's you, you've never done that or you have a long time ago and you want to come back, then right now I would love it for you to raise your hand so that I know who I'm praying for. One, two, three. If that's you, just slide your hand up in the air. We're not going to make a big deal out of it. We're not going to embarrass you. We just want to know who we're praying for. Thank you, Jesus. He's good, church. He's good. Thank you, Jesus. If there's anyone in this place, as I look around one last time, we don't want to rush this. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God.